The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Radio Wave Medianomics. Joining us over the phone is your host of Radio Wave Medianomics, a friend of Medjugorje. Well, we'd like to greet everybody back to the show, and as usual, we always have much to say and much to encourage you toward and to give hope. Hope, though, is a word that we can use less and less as we see the way the culture is going in which society travels. And so we have, we have a lot of things assaulting us in these moments uh, throughout the world in Christianity. We see the deterioration of things as we know it and life as we know it. We've never left that theme that you're going to see life as we know it change because there's a judgment against it. And while we can blame it on culprits, and we can blame it on this reason, or news agencies, talk show hosts, people that put out things, commentaries, they can say this is happening because of this and this and this is what needs to be done. They all miss one point. They negate the judgment of God that we haven't lived right, and therefore, no matter what solution we have, it won't be fixed. 
The only way to fix it is to follow God's Word, follow our lady's messages, follow the Christian principles of which everybody's vacating or either compromised or accepted in the law into different ways to weaken, even for the Christian who wants to try to live it. And so how do you bypass that system? The messages of Our Lady are just about that, showing you the way. Why everybody's vacating Jesus, putting him on an equal level playing field with Mohammed, with other prophets, with even other religions of, of, of Buddhism, yoga, and all these things, of self, humanism. We think that they have equal right to be heard in our culture and equal ground constitutionally. This is completely false. We are a Christian nation. We are not living our Christian principles. So people can say we're not therefore Christian, as Obama said. We're no longer a Christian nation. We're made up of different things. That's him recoursing this nation. He says it into being. I knew a friend of mine who was a Protestant minister once. He says, fake it until you can faith it. Obama has to have faith that this isn't a Christian nation. So he fakes it and says it and brings it into being. And we say, yeah, we're not Christian anymore. Look how everybody's living. Look where we are. The Pandora's box of changing this has been opened by this statement. When before this election, when Obama was in, there were polls done by even liberal magazines. I think Time was one of them, I quoted, for this, the poll they did. was 80, 87% of everybody in the United States identified themselves as Christians. And really, we still have a high percentage that would be toward that today. Except they're not living it. We're not living it. As Our Lady says, there are many Christians... Did you catch the word many? That's the word she said. There are many Christians who live like pagans. And so because of this, we have a judgment against our way of life, against our system, and what we've done, how we chase money, how we have such love for money, how everything's geared towards making money, how everything is making me more comfortable, wish I could win the lottery, wish I could be rich. What's rich? We've got our own private cemetery. We built our home to stay in, my wife and I. We don't have a lot of money, but we have our own ground. We're rich. In fact, our cemetery gives us roots where we can bury our children. About uh, We ourselves be buried. This is rich. We have heritage. What riches have you been looking for? Material things? Or way of life? That's what our lady's trying to show us. That you've got to choose a way of life. Contentment, peace, security of future. Only through Jesus have you got a future, our lady tells us and relates to us repeatedly. Not through any other religion. We're to be respectful, even to the atheist. But we're not to let him implement his plans into our culture, into our society. He doesn't have that right. It's not constitutional that he's been given the right to strip God from our writings and the forefathers and what we're founded upon. And so people can say we're not a Christian nation any longer. 
it doesn't mean our roots aren't in Christianity and that we're not a Christian nation. Because someone's not living the way they're supposed to live in, does it mean that we're not a Christian nation? In other words, if we have a lot of priests that did some bad things, or we have a lot of people that in the Catholic Church that's not living the way they're supposed to be living, can we say that the Catholic Church is no longer a Christian? Its framework, the Catholic Church, is rooted into Christianity from Christ. This nation, the forefathers, rooted it into Christ. It is a Christian nation. I don't, and I reject, anybody says it's not. Are we living that way? No. Half the people in the church on Sunday Mass is going to receive a community. Are they living where they're supposed to be living? No. Does that change us as a Christian church? So we've got to change our thinking and our mentalities and not let somebody else broadcast and determine what we are. Because that's how you become something that they want you to become, what they pronounce. And so this chasing of things and chasing of money, that everything's for sale, is really what Joan's story of the week is about. Few figures in American political history have been as reviled as President Harry S. Truman was when he left office in January 1953. After the end of the Great Depression and the World War II, public dissatisfaction with 20 years of democratic rule, the New Deal reforms enacted by Franklin D. Roosevelt, and numerous labor strikes, along with frightening political events such as the Soviet Union's successful test of an atomic bomb, the Communist Revolution in China, and the stalemate of the Korean War, all combined to send Truman's popularity plummeting to an unprecedented nadir by end of 1952. In the half-century since the end of Truman's presidency, though, his popular image has undergone a remarkable reversal, and he is now held up by both Republicans and Democrats as the plain-speaking, tough-but-fair exemplar of what a president should be. The anecdotes related about Harry S. Truman reflect his modern image as the bluntly honest chief executive who refused to use his office as a stepping stone to personal gain. President Truman spoke a special message to the Congress on the internal security of the United States on August 8, 1950, in which he spoke out against the implementation of laws curbing expressions of dissent as a means of combating subversion. Quote, There are some people who wish to wish us to enact laws which would seriously damage the right of free speech and which could be used not only against subversive groups but against other groups engaged in political or other activities which were not generally popular. Such measures would not only infringe on the Bill of Rights and the basic liberties of our people, they would also undermine the very internal security they seek to protect. Laws forbidding dissent do not prevent subversive activities. They merely drive them into more secret and more dangerous channels. Police states are not secure. Their history is marked by successive purges and growing concentration camps as their governments strike out blindly in fear of violent revolt. Once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens 
and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. End quote. When Truman left the White House and returned to life as a private citizen in Missouri in January 1953, the U.S. did not provide any form of pension to former presidents. Truman had little or no income beyond his Army pension of $112.56 per month and bore all the costs of maintaining an office and staff himself. And it was largely due to his financial limitations that Congress finally enacted the Former Presidents Act in 1958 to provide former presidents with pensions and allowances to cover office and travel expenses. Truman declined offers of corporate positions at larger salaries with the rebuff that, quote, you don't want me, you want the office of the president, and that doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the American people, and it's not for sale. Truman wrote in his book, Mr. Citizen, in 1960, quote, I turned down all of those offers. I knew that they were not interested in hiring Harry Truman, the person, but what they wanted to hire was the former president of the United States. I could never lend myself to any transaction, however respectable, that would commercialize on the prestige and the dignity of the office of the presidency. In May 1971, Towards the end of Truman's life, he died in December 1972, the House of Representatives was considering awarding the Medal of Honor to the former president. Truman quashed such deliberations by writing a letter, read to the House on May 6, 1971, by Representative William J. Randall of Missouri, in which he maintained that the Medal of Honor was for combat bravery and that changing the requirements in his case would detract from the merit of the award. Truman said, I do not consider that I have done anything which should be the reason of any award, congressional or otherwise. This does not mean I do not appreciate what you and others have done, because I do appreciate the kind things that have been said and the proposal to have the award offered to me. Therefore, I close by saying thanks, but I will not accept a Congressional Medal of Honor. So we have a president... This principled that he believes in things that just because he even has a need of income, that things aren't for sale. How many people would do that today? How many would not jump at that? In fact, I know President Clinton was getting a million dollars per speech. Of course, a lot of that was coming from people who, who had agendas uh, to, to damage our nation and, and weaken it on the left. And we need to realize that, that all this, again brings judgment. Pope Pius said, You are aware indeed that the goal of this most iniquitous plot is to drive people to overthrow the entire order of human affairs and to draw them over the wicked theories of the socialism by confusing them with perverted teachings. And that's what we have today. This country is not a Christian nation. This is a perverted teaching. And his plan is to overthrow the order. You say, well, this is a big statement to make. Well, things like that are, are part of what is in reality today. It's in reality that we're under this judgment, that economically we're in serious, serious, unfixable, unretrievable decline, 
And because of that, we're going to see things we've never seen before. We're here um, with a, a friend of Medjugorje. There's a, myself and three other community members that have taken a few days away from the mission to concentrate uh, on a book that a friend of Medjugorje has been working on for the past two months, probably, uh, since a, a writing that he has done for the last words of the harvesters entitled Jan, uh, June 25, 1993. So he pulled us out of the mission to read his um, the manuscript and to begin just checking resources and, and um, whenever he writes any book and re- the research behind it, we always go back to get the the first source the person who actually said it, the person who actually wrote what's being quoted rather than going by second or third third source. So that's been kind of our work these last few days. Um, but um, the, the topic that a friend of Medjugorje is speaking on today, Medjugorje, is, is very much on, on his heart because of what the book is about. And um, in, in just reading it over the last few days... Um, my impression of the book, I remember uh, reading um, about a stewardess who was on one of the flights that was crashed into the World Trade Center. And she was on the phone after the hijacking of the plane. Nobody knew at, what, at this point what the intent was. But when she saw the World Trade Center come into view, and she's looking and seeing that the, the airplane is, is going right into its path, they have her recorded just this this feeling of awe of seeing what what is about to happen and it wasn't like she was um you know uh, panic stricken or anything but just this view of the of the airplane flying into the building about to do that was was a she was awestruck and i would say that after reading this book um that's sort of the feeling that is that we feel. I talked to one of our community members today who had read it. I said, what do you feel this morning after reading this book? And he said, well, I feel different. He said, I don't feel like the same person that I was yesterday that I am today. It's a very sobering book. It's a very frightening book. And, uh, and my impression, too, is that I'm shocked that it's not on everybody's radar out there that uh, a friend of Medjugorje has been given some inspiration, I feel, that is divine to, to see the events that are taking place right now, uh, information that's, that's coming under, under his radar, that's being put together in such a way to really show what we're facing in our future. And um, I don't know if you want to comment a little bit ab- about the book. I, can I tell you what the name, can I say the name of the book? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, the title of the book is A Shot Heard Around the World, 2012. But anyway, we wanted to, to just speak about this a little bit to get your interest up about the book, that you're going to want it as soon as it's available, which hopefully will be in a couple of weeks, and you're going to want everybody that you know to get a copy of it, because in a, in a way this is our only defense, is to get the information out into people's hands. To um, to be led by you know I don't know what what the solution is even um, but it's 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 something very looming in our near future and um, 
it's going to be a very, very important and critical book that everybody reads and spreads. Well, I was in Rome with uh, John Powell, my wife, and one of my sons at the Millennium. And John Powell, in his speech, when he consecrated the next thousand years to Our Lady, said that man is at the crossroads. And he relates that this crossroads is um, something unseen in, in regards to which way will we go. And we are there now. We're crossing, we're crossing through the crossroads. In 2000, he was saying we're, we're at the crossroad. And so we have people teaching, perverted teachings, as Pope Pius said, in the late 1800s, and we've got people confused. They're confused as far as what the steps are to take, what to do. And the magnitude of how big this is, what uh, what I'm writing right now, the importance of it, and and the shocking aspects of it, and this when you make this mosaic and you put everything together, it drives into another formula. In other words, you might see 23 plus 44. You see those two two figures. They don't speak anything until you put a plus sign between them, and then it comes up to another number. You know that you didn't see by looking at it as an isolated number. Or you didn't think of about, about it, and this is the same way. The facts are the facts; you can see them. But when they put in there this plus this and make a mosaic, you come to a conclusion, a thought, a process that you never thought of before. And so, to keep you from coming to that, what is this plus this equal? What is our signs of the times? What are we going? What are we traveling? You got to be hooked and connected to be mesmerized, distracted into everything in the world, and from, from the electronics to the gadgetry, to everything that's going on. And the more you can be distracted and taking the kids to the soccer games and doing all this and being preoccupied with nothingness, doing things that's frugal, really, and the entertainments, then the more you won't be able to do this plus this plus this. And so this book will help you overcome that if you've been distracted to read these things, see in a mosaic, and come up with conclusions, conclusions and thoughts in your life that you don't know about now until you read the book. I know that um, you had said even a couple of weeks ago that more than any other writing, uh, you feel the hand of Our Lady on this, uh, that she is the one actually behind what is being written, that the inspiration is just one after another coming to you. And we came... Um, together to really bring the book to completion, believing that's what we are going to be doing. But as we're reading and, again, checking sources, um, a friend of Medjugorje has, has been coming out and um, with with another, another piece of vital information that's just been presented or that he's just discovered or another thought, and, and we've, we've come to the conclusion that the book is not just about to be completed, um, that Our Lady is, is, it's just a very, she's very much um, bringing all this information to the surface right now, and that, that is the comfort, is that she is wanting this information um, revealed, and it is, is in, a, in a revelation. Um, at the same time, it's, uh, and, and maybe because she's not ready to write the end of the book yet, we, we don't know what the conclusion's going to be, um, 
But I can tell you that um, just last night before we all went to bed, um, we all prayed because we we just were wanting to hear our our lady's words in light of everything that's being revealed, uh, the dangers that we're facing in our future. And um, there's there's a very uh, sober feeling amongst all of us. Um, as as Jason said this morning, we feel like we just stepped into a whole new world, um, a whole different way of seeing our world around us today. Well, we're coming into that time that it will breed hopelessness. It will breed uh, situations you think, well, what can I do? And we have to go back to Ali's words. You can do nothing. Ali said that you can do nothing to fight the evil that wants to rule. And so that's pretty scary words. And when you read the book, that's one thing that everybody was discussing last night is that that, that that it makes you feel hopeless. So we did pick a message. We did our prayer, we did prayers. We picked a message at the end of the day. And uh, Joan picked the message way out, the word phrase, went to that message, and, and it was March uh, 28th. And so yesterday was March 28th, so that's, that's a big sign that God's speaking. Pick a message the same day you're picking it. And the message, of course, is the message that says, the prayer you receive the greatest joy of every situation has no exit. And so, you know, it was a hopeful message. It was a message of hope. Because Our Lady says that you can't fight it. You can't fight what? The evil wants to rule the war and to destroy it. Evil wants to destroy the world. Do you get that? Our Lady's saying this. This judgment is God withdrawing. He's not doing it. The devil is. The devil owns the world. He's made this system. And what he makes always collapse. Always will collapse. So God withdraws. That's his judgment. He turns man over to himself and says, okay, you want your economy? You want this? You want the way you've done it? Okay, it's yours. But lady goes on and says and adds the words. But with Jesus, well, let me do the whole phrase, the whole message. You cannot stop the evil. I'm doing this by memory, so maybe not exactly these words, but it's very, very close, 90%, 95%. You cannot stop the evil that wants to rule the world and destroy it. Or you by yourself cannot do that. But with Jesus... You can heal the world. So that is our hope. He is our way out of this, this situation that has no exit because what's about to happen, what's coming down, has no exit. It's not maybe we found a door and we say it had an exit. No, God's going to provide the exit. He's going to take the chainsaw, cut through the concrete wall, and get you out. That's the only way because it has no exit. It's only by a divine mandate of God that this can happen. We've got that message of hope. So we're to have hope, and we've got to at the same time remember that Ali says there's no future without Jesus. We've got to remember also that Ali says the one who prays is not afraid of evil, the one who fasts is not afraid of the future. Why would she say that? Why would she be coming for 30 years, headed toward 40 years to get us out of this desert, if this wasn't one of the most, mo- mo- one of the most momentous times in the history of the world? 
The second most important time that Jesus himself is elevating to equal to when he was here. If Our Lady came first and then birthed Jesus for his messianic reign and salvation for us, and if he's going to come again, who would be coming to prepare for that time? And I don't mean some squashed down time where, okay, our lady's apparition is over and Jesus, the second coming is coming back. Our lady's given us a whole playing field of plays to the time when Jesus does come back. But if spiritually he's coming back glorified, why would we not see the Virgin Mary coming preceding that in preparation for that? ABC Rob Wallace, 2020, uh, he and I became good friends in the 80s and known each other since still communicate, he asked me in Medjugorje, do you think that Medjugorje is about the second coming? I says, Rob, there is no doubt, there is unequivocally no doubt that the Virgin Mary is here for the second coming of Christ. And his eyebrows were raised, and he said, really? I says, yes. He said, when do you think it will be? I said, well, that's the question we don't know. Will it be five years? 50 years, 500 years, we don't know. But one thing we do know, she's not here without giving the formula and the way and the walk to show us how to go through that time in preparation of the Antichrist. And so we're underneath the, a mock-up of that. We're doing a run-through through that. And so there are a lot of things to be scared of. But we're not to, as her children, be in fear. But that doesn't mean that if we were to walk in without fear or to be fearless, that there's not going to be something not to be feared about. She wouldn't give the message if it's not something very ominous, rather, and very detrimental to the world. And so we have to wake up. And you need to position yourselves. You need to get ready. And part of this book is to show you, and we'll give you the impetus, that I need to, I need to stop procrastination. Procrastination does not work on the things that you know you need to be doing. You need to be canning now. Don't worry about getting your garden. Go to the farmer's market now. Go go live different. Have your, your look at the squirrels. Look at nature. Go out and create you know, he says. What do they do all time of, of the spring and, and the, the whole time of summer, really, especially more when they get toward fall? If you know something's going to fall, then act like the animals do with fall. He's burying his nuts. You know, you need to spend the whole spring and summer in preparation for that. Not in panic, not to save yourself, but live that way. It's the way of life, the simplest, the gratification of doing that will bring that. Don't think, I'll do this with money, or I'll just go buy that can of soup with money. Forget all that stuff. Pretend that that's there today, and it could be gone by this afternoon. The writing's on the wall, the signs are there. Frank? Yeah, um, when when you can create stimulus, it, it's it, it's a lot worse than it appears to be, and and I'd like but, to talk about Frank, Frank. That's a good point. Stimulus would be like when you get a cortisone shot, or when you need need uh, glucose. It's just a stimulus. It's just temporary. It's just something that goes to to, to 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 push things down the road a little bit. Go ahead, Frank. So you know, no one can say you know. Um, when these things are going to happen, or they, the, the timing might not be exactly perfect, but now we can see that uh, 
Jim Sinclair said that the you know by June we'll see the dollar collapse and everybody's going to wonder why it doesn't bounce. And so, um, so I'm very anxious to to read this new book and because of the other four books and because of what they've been, I know what this will be to the world. But um, as we're approaching Holy Week, I've thought a lot about uh, Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, because Look What Happened While You're Sleeping was another book that you tried to finish many, many times. It started on Holy Week, and I think that you thought you'd have it um, finished by Easter or, you know, Easter week. And then it went on, and you, you thought you'd have it finished that year, and it went on, and then it wasn't and then I know there was many times you tried to get it to print, and uh, there were many things I can't remember exactly what happened. But look what happened while you're sleeping. Finished on Good Friday, started on Good Friday, and finished on Good Friday. And as you've put yourself in the mission, in a position to clear all these things out of your life, and you've been able to help us to see um, and, and listen to God's voice in our own heart, and uh, you've been able to do this, there's signs with the writings that what they are, and um, look what happened while you're sleeping is salvation for um, for this nation and for the world, to, to return to the Sabbath, and, and many of those things that were written, was it five years ago now, are, um, you know, prophetic, and, and they're happening now, and, uh, and then also... Uh, it ain't gonna happen. Was released on the day that uh, was the feast of John the Baptist, six twenty four, and it is very much about the second coming. It is very much about preparing the way of the Lord, and and it's very much about what is gonna happen in regards to Mary before Jesus comes. And so, um, so I hope that uh, that the the Holy Spirit has this. Uh, book um, done as soon as possible, because I know that the, that the church needs it. And uh, the, 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 the new book, which again, the title is A Shot Heard Around the World 2012, is really like the next step. Um, all of these books are, are a progression to me, and this this next book, is to me, is kind of a culmination of, of where these other books have led us towards. Uh, I would ask everyone out there who's listening to the to the program um, today and then those who restream it later to really pray for the Holy Spirit um, for a friend of Medjugorje, um, that, that the book is everything that Our Lady wants it to be, um, and also that we can get it out quickly. Uh, for us, again, and once you read it, you'll understand, but... Um, we feel it's very critical to get it out as soon as possible, so hopefully it's not going to be a year before you get it. Um, but um, at the same time, there's uh, a need for the Holy Spirit to really put down um, and give give discernment to a friend of Medjugorje for um, how to present this information. And uh, so well, I, I feel urgency more so than any other books to get this out, and really. Maybe don't want no more Holy Spirit stuff. This <laughs> 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 is going to prolong it. But no, there there are things seen with clarity that that um, was not seen at the beginning of the book. Uh, the framework of it. Actually, I didn't even want to write. I didn't intend to write a book. I started writing words of heaven, har- harvesters. 
on a on a one or two sheet thing, which was for Words from Heaven, which is a description of something with Ivanka in 1993, and it and it, from there it turned into a book. I realized that lady prompted that to go to the next thing, to the next thing, and then turn it into a book. I felt real strong about that. So I, this was not even a book that was even launched with an intention to be even a book, but this has often happened with writing and and uh, doing what I do with Our Lady. And it's real clear. It's, it's something that I think she uh, wants people to be educated against the perverted education that's been given. Frank, they need to get a hold of you. What number do they need to have? Yeah, I just want to. I just want to mention physically now. It's probably um, you know the best time to uh, to take care of. Get out a paper. Um, get into the miraculous metal Medjugorje round. Uh, there, there's just many signs, and and uh, you can call me about those things. But I said last week I thought the market had probably uh, either bottomed or it would in the next few days. I still think that we're there. We're starting the first quarter um, next week, and uh, a lot of things are are coming together. So to get a hold of us, you can call us at eight seven seven nine three six seven six eight six. You can um, email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and the website is globalsilverinvestors.com. Okay, Maria, is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, one thing to uh, keep in mind as well uh, as we enter into the next week, which is Holy Week, m- m- this coming Monday is the second of the month, and a friend of Medjugorje will be coming to you again uh, that day uh, to speak about Our Lady's messages that we, Our Lady's message that we'll receive. Uh, on the second of the month. So again, look for that, listen for that. That will be Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Time, USA, a friend of Medjugorje on Radio Wave, speaking about uh, the message that we'll get that day uh, from Our Lady through Mariana. Okay, we'll be praying for everybody out there. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.